Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. First today, well, I just can't believe this, to be honest with you, what we're going to hear next. But when I find out and then understand what's involved for businesses doing their best for customers and charities, and yes, they have to run the gauntlet of abuse. When you hear what uh, is coming up, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show. She'll be with us next Friday for Book Club. Irene Gahan from Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda. And we're over in Meath with Ashling Lowe. You know her well from the Meath Food Bank. Ladies, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to all of you too. Irene, just start with yourself for a second. Uh, a bookshop, Irene, come off it. Who would yeah. abuse anybody, Irene Gahan, in a bookshop? Yeah, and I suppose, you know, look, the majority, let me get it out there, the majority of customers, we have some fabulous customers and they're adorable and I love them to bits. But school book season comes around and reason goes out the window for some people. Um, and it's not everyone, it's just some people. And I think it's those people then that kind of sour it for everybody else because I think sometimes you kind of, you're automatically then waiting for the next drama. So I suppose to explain the school books, basically, on a school book list, you could have eight different publishers and then you have stationery and then you might have a musical instrument, for example. And the problem is you're ordering them from all different um, publishers. So some of them go out of stock, some go out of print. We have one book on a book list that's gone out, that's not even, they don't even publish anymore. We have another book that we have to order in from an educational company in the UK. You know, so you've, 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 there's, there's so many moving parts, Jerry. It's mm. just, it's, it's crazy. But what happens is if somebody, if one book is out of stock or we have a situation every year for, and it's not even secondary school books. I think by the time people get their kids to secondary, they get it. They understand. Mm. It takes, some books might take longer than others. Um, and some books, for example, have gone out of print. So like, printing publishing companies never know how many books they're going to need every year because schools don't tell them. And when the book tests arrive, it's like surprise. So we would order in and out. So you might have, as you say, moving parts, 10 publishers moving parts for different schools. So you mightn't have one on the list. And then a parent comes in and you go, yeah, we have your list, but we're still waiting for one. Mm. Well, that's when 
the proverbial hits the fan. And, and, and tell us, Irene, what, 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 what have you encountered? How bad has it got? Okay, so the first year I had my life threatened by a father um, who had a second class uh, child, the Gale books for particular, and they were out of stock. All the schools suddenly decided to stock this particular one on an English syllabus, and they were out of print. Now, this was the year that they had to, the company, um, like basically, there was, there was security guards. In <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that bad. Mm. But it was literally coming out the day before the kids went back to school. And I basically got threats where I know where you park your car. Uh, be careful walking back. You've caused my family all this stress. And I'm like, going, it's, it's a school book. Sorry, it's a school book. And mm. it's still three weeks before they go back to school. And you're threatening me. Um, we had another lady who had four children with her and she actually spat over the counter at me because we didn't have, I think it was a reader or something, <gasps> hadn't come in. Um, I've had a guy be really threatening to our part-time staff, Jerry. I mean, Jeannie Mac, how, how can a grown man, easily in his 50s, shout and be rude to a 16-year-old part-time kid earning a bit of money over the summer and I just stepped in and i that's my rule. I just stepped in and now do you know what? I got to the point where I'm like, new rule, if you're rude or you cause problems or you are aggressive, your order gets cancelled, you get refunded, you get no books, you can mm. go and sort them somewhere else mm. because it's not fair on staff. And I know, I know it's a stressful time of year, don't get me wrong, but the schools expect, the schools give you a two-week, uh, how would you put it, moratorium leeway, on leeway, your books. Yes, yeah, yes. leeway, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You get two weeks. Mm. Um, and sure, we have the school books. We've lists on school. We've books on school books that haven't even been published yet. Yes, of course. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Of course. So, and generally, suppose, we have to say, within reason, most people oh, looked after, aren't they? In time. Absolutely. Oh, everybody's looked after yes. in time with what with what we're able to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. So if there's not available, it's not available. You will get it. And I mean, even online now, looking at some of the online. There, there, there's a two-week delay at the moment for a lot of online. Now, this is with us. This is with mm. general. Like, Eason stopped doing school books in the shops for, for part, in part for this reason. They went completely online because nobody wanted to work school books. There's um, Bookhaven in Balbriggan and Suzanne and her team down there. Same every year. They actually put a lock on the door and you have to buzz in and out. Now, how... like. How bad has it to be where yes. you have to decide if you're buzzing the person in and out? Like, I mean, that's how bad it gets. And it's only, it's only, it's only the summer. The rest of the year, everyone's happiness. No is problem. Right. And and just in, in in a general sense, do you feel with the minority? And we want to say this is a minority, but it's a shocking minority. It shouldn't happen. Is it getting worse? Yeah, but it, do you know what it is? It's, it it might be a minority, but it upsets you, and it upsets the other people yes. that work in the shop for the whole day and that could carry on because mm. you're now worked up to the point you're expecting it but it it has gotten worse now I think over COVID everyone understood loads of delays warehouses were on limited staff because of spacing and, but I think now we're suddenly back to that again and I know some uniform shops are having the same problem yes I heard this I heard that uniform shops dread yeah. this time as well just stay there with me Irene I mean, and I want to bring Ashling Lowe into the conversation from the Mead Food Bank Ashling, welcome back to the show Hi, Terry. How are you? I'm good. Good to talk to you again. Now, you are a charity. You give of your time for free. All your donations are free. And you've helped thousands of people, I know, over the time with your wonderful uh, charity. What are you finding? Um, at, at present, because of the cost of living, of course, Terry, and the kids going back to school and fuel prices and everything gone, gone through the roof. Um, it's costing us now one thousand eight hundred a week 
to keep our food restocked. And at that, we just still don't have enough. So mm. it's a constant food drive now. Yes. So there is days where we have to stop and we have to restock because there's nothing left so that we can look after people for the mm. next day. Well, as soon as we try to explain that to somebody who's asking for assistance, now we have an awful lot of new service users, but the ones that we have always held have had, like, you know, here yeah. and there, are very understandable um, and send lovely messages. We completely understand. It's no problem. When when you can get to us, it would just help a little, mm. you know, and that's fine. But there's new service users now that have come in, and over the past three days, I have had nothing, only a barrage of abuse because we didn't have X, Y, and Z left to help them, and it's 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 like it's. I'm trying to explain, you know, the situation, mm. and no, it's in one ear and out the other. But you can help everyone here, there, and everywhere, but you can't help me. I'll never ring again. F you, you name it. We have heard it all. Um. And I won't tolerate that. Not with my not with my volunteers. You know, um, if I don't answer the phone, I usually it's one of them that'll answer the phone. And we just won't tolerate that behaviour. You know, we're trying our best to help as many as we can. Mm. And we're not paid. We do this completely voluntary. And um, we're not here to be abused. We're here to help people, but we're not here to be abused. Um. People just, I understand that they're under pressure. I, I totally get it. People are under pressure. A lot of people are under pressure. But we're also under pressure. Mm. And, you know, you, you know, when you receive that abuse, do, do you recoil? Do you think, my God almighty, we're doing this from the good of our hearts. Everything Terry, we do. Thursday, Thursday was meant to be here in the food bank and I took the day off. I've had shingles for on and off for the past six weeks with stress and losing a family member and everything. So I took Thursday off and when I went in the door on Wednesday evening after one of my volunteers, she clearly seen how um, disorientated and distressed I was after the phone calls I had to deal with throughout the day. Um, she said, come on, I'll bring you home. So And she did. You know, so my volunteers are great and we all look after each other. We do all have bad days and unfortunately we do have people, you know, that that, that speak in a terrible way, you know, and it, it just happens. But on Wednesday night, I just sat down on the couch and I just bawled crying for two hours because I had to. My God, that is... That's not right, Ashling. No, no. It no. really isn't. You know that you 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 are faced with this, and 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 obviously you take it the heart, and it affects you. Yeah. So even this morning now, when I was on the bus coming over here to Navin to do deliveries today, I have lovely individuals to help today, and they're so grateful. And um, I have volun I have volunteers who are also service users and are amazing people. Mm. They they can't physically give donations, 
but they can give their time. Yes. And that means more to me than anything. Mm. And I'm not saying that everybody is, is, is like this, that rings on the phone, but we do have a majority. And sometimes the sense of entitlement can be a little bit overwhelming. Yes. You know, and even this morning now getting on the bus and having to come over here and open the door, I was like, I felt sick in my stomach. That is a bad scenario. That is not a good scenario when you feel like that. Someone who's at this a long time and given so much to everybody. You know what I'm saying? When that yeah. feeling comes on board and you take it in, it's not good. It's not good for you and it's not good for, you know, the whole, what would you say, the morale around what you do. You know what I'm talking about as well, that you have to have when, you, when, when you're in, in, in the game that, that you're into. And you see that word I've written down? I was just writing it down here on my notes as you were talking, entitlement. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's just a, an overwhelming sense of entitlement. Mm. Um, I, I want, I need, I must have now. Mm. You know, and yes. there's people, there is so many good people out there and God love them. They ring and, oh, we're really sorry. We're so embarrassed. Do you know, we've never had to do this before. You know, but there is people that just, that I think they're just, they just don't have a manner, you know, on no. the phone. But they don't realize the effect that it has on me or somebody else who's answering the phone. Yes, yes. You know, and it is, it's, it's horrible. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I am very open and very honest about it, and I always speak about it on, my, on, on the Me Too Bank page, and I speak about it on my own public page. I suffer with mental health issues. So I've, I've, I've an understanding for people who suffer with mental health issues as well. But when somebody attacks you in that way and you're suffering from mental health issues it can mean the end of the world to that person if they're suffering you know in silence of course so people have to be aware of of other people who may be answering a phone all day long let it be in a bank a bookshop like that lady or anybody else that that person on the other end of the phone mightn't be feeling themselves mm. And, you know, it's just to have a little bit of respect and speak to people. We're all human beings. We're all made of um, blood and skin and bone, do you know? So we're all human at the end of the day. And it's nice to be nice. It you know. certainly is. And you've been nice to so many. Irene, you're listening to what Ashling had to say there. It's horrendous, isn't it? It's breaking my heart. <laughs> so sorry for what you've had to go through mm. I just seem incredible to you I know I can I feel it I can feel it from you it's so hard mm. I suppose and I suppose where I'm coming from I ended up with shingles the first year we did school book as well Jerry I was so upset I'm yeah. upset even listening to that lady's story excuse me how can people how can people behave like that you see you Jerry you're wonderful you wouldn't behave like that. That lady's wonderful. We wouldn't behave like that. We just wouldn't. It wouldn't be what we would do. But for people to come in, and you, you understand that it's stressful, there's loads of stuff on. But I mean, I just don't understand how a grown man or a grown woman can attack 
a 16-year-old teenager standing behind a counter and lose the plot. I don't mind. They can lose it with me. But as that lady said, I'd go home and I'd be really upset and I'd be like, right, new day. And you're literally waiting for the, you're waiting for the abuse to start. Mm. And you go, new day, and it's the dread of going in. And I, every year I go, why are we doing school books? Yeah. And I think that's why so many have gone online. And, you know, I just think everyone needs to be, be kind. That's it. Be kind. I think you have to be kind. Yes. And I, I want to just leave that thought with people. I have to um, finish up just now, but I, I, I will come back to this. I promise both of you. I think we've got the message out there very powerfully today. But please be considerate. Please be kind. Understand that people are there to serve you and help you. And the abuse is totally unacceptable. I say that again today. Ashling Lowe and Irene Gahan, thank you both for joining me. Ashling, I wish you well. Thanks, Thanks, Irene. Thanks, Sherry. God bless you both. Yes, big hugs all around. Thank you, ladies. Bye bye. Bye bye. I just can't believe that. I really just God almighty when I when I when I got a feel for this earlier today, I said, No, this isn't this isn't happening. But it is, and you hear it there. That's the reality. Don't Irene and Ashling really care? Respect people. Please do. That's our message today. It's Friday. TV theme time. Are you ready? 086-1800-658. That's the number you need. Here it is. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV Themes with Jerry Kelly on The Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV! Yes, it's an easy one today, isn't it? What is that? TV theme. It's in the news at the moment. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your answer. And I have a nice prize to send out to one of you, to one of you from a late lunch today. Well, it's a huge day in our family. Yes, there's a big, big birthday today because Miss Pippa Kelly, one of my grandchildren, my granddaughter, is three years of age today. Happy birthday, Pippa. And that comes in from your dad, Jared, mum, Shauna and brother Harry and all the families on the Kerwin and Kelly sides. We all wish you the happiest of birthdays, uh, Pippa, this afternoon and the big parties tomorrow. And we're all looking forward to it. And you know what? I know Miss Pippa Kelly loves Mr. Harry Styles. Just for you, Pippa. Happy birthday. I don't know if I could ever go without Watermelon sugar high Watermelon sugar high Watermelon sugar high Watermelon sugar high Harry Styles Watermelon sugar Especially for our little sugar, Pippa Kelly, three years old today. Happy birthday again, Pippa, and that party. We're looking forward to it, I say again, tomorrow afternoon. Now, coming up on Late Lunch After Two. Have you noticed? There's lots of them about at the moment. What am I talking about? Butterflies. Aren't they gorgeous? Jesmond Harding is Ireland's number one expert in butterflies, and he's with us after two. Thank you for your comments. Quite a number of you, Angela, Marie, Shauna, have all been on to say they're really touched uh, by uh, Ashling Lowe and Irene Gahan's stories. And there's another one there from Wendy. Wendy says, I'm actually crying here listening to that lady, Jerry. My heart is going out to both of them. I work in a public environment as well, 
it's a takeaway. And we took some abuse during the pandemic, even though we opened all through COVID, short staffed, doing our very best. But some people, Jerry, just have no respect. Wendy, thank you so much uh, for your lovely comment to the show today. There's more there as well. Just people astounded and uh, that rudeness and uh, the incidents we heard about would be happening with very good people who are only trying to help others, it has to be said. Now, have you noticed them about? I've noticed quite a lot of them uh, lately. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Meadow Brown, the small copper, the small tortoise shell. Yes, I recognise some of the uh, main species of butterflies, but I have a man joining us. He's been with us in the past on the show and he just knows everything there is to know about butterflies. He's regarded as Ireland's foremost most expert, Jesmond Harding. Welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jerry, and good afternoon to your listeners. Thank you very much for joining me again. What is it that I'm just uh, noticing them the last few weeks? And I, I sort of can't remember if I did late spring through summer, Jesmond. Well, the it, it, I suppose it depends where you're looking. I mean, I'm, I'm looking out at, at large white and green veined white butterflies in my garden at the moment, feeding on common knapweed. The, the big the really big butterfly bonanza hits nectar-rich gardens over the next few weeks. Right. So I often get people emailing me in, in middle of July and saying, I'm very, very worried. My budley is in bloom. I don't see any butterflies on it. There's a few bumblebees. The, 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 the issue with that is it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's that the butterflies that visit gardens tend, tend not to be around at that time of the year. It's actually really... The second half of August and through September, mm. that butterflies that visit gardens turn up. Now, obviously, if you're in the wilder habitats where the, the butterflies that don't particularly visit gardens, like your small coppers, like your meadow browns, common blues, um, they, they will be found in, in, like, for example, in, in coastal districts and where there's really good flower-rich habitats, say at Baltray or or Mornington or Leetown, places like that, mm. you will get those species and you, you'll, you'll walk pathways through the dunes and you'll see them on, on the range of wildflowers in those areas. But the, the, there is a sort of a panic when you have this yes. almost surreal feeling that the sun is there, yep. the flowers are there, where are the butterflies? Mm. It's, it's a timing issue. Ah, good on you, because I, I was worried myself, but now you've explained it all. And that's why I'm seeing them more around my garden as well. Hey, do you see them white fellas and my broccoli? Oh, Jasmine, <laughs> me poor broccoli. I'll tell you what, when the eggs hatch out and the caterpillars are on them, they'd strip them in days, wouldn't they? Yeah, they, they do. And you see, in a way, you've provided the perfect habitat. And I'll tell you why. All, all invertebrates and butterflies are animals with, without backbones. All invertebrates are cold-blooded. So if you grow cabbages in a small, sunny back garden with concrete stone brick walls around it, you're building a little heat island. And cold-blooded animals love to breed in those conditions. Those little heat traps in northern Europe, in our, in our northern European climate, although it is getting warmer, they love those conditions. So if you have a field of cabbages, a big, big open field of cabbages, you ever wonder why they're able to grow them in, in North County, Dublin? It's because they're too cold mm. for butterflies. They, the, the butterflies will only lay eggs on the cabbages nearest the, nearest the hedge where it's warm and sheltered. Right. They don't breed in broad open fields, but if you put, if you plant brassicas in a small garden, 
they, they're in seventh heaven. They can't believe their luck. Well, you know, at times I say, well, flip you anyway. But at the same time, I don't mind donating part because I get some and, and that's the way I look at it as well. It's live and let live and there's plenty it's of them. satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the thrill of seeing them. Yes. And, you, know, you just look, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at Lawrence White as I'm speaking to you at the moment and they're kind of floating around. The, the, they have a f- gentle flapping motion and they do look very pretty. Mm. You could forgive the, the, the predations on the cabbages. Now, just a peacock butterfly has just hoved into you and he's perched on a napweed near my back window. Now, they are real, really, really beautiful. Um, the, they were the, the Charles first surgeon in the early 17th century commented on how the eyes shine like stars and he referred to the purple and yellow and blue colour and they they really are a magnificent butterfly it's actually the peacocks are one of the world's most beautiful butterflies and observers should look out for that species now it's unmistakable the, the big peacock eye spots there's nothing else it could be there's nothing else like it mm. so they will be putting in an appearance shortly and I've just as I say just seen one just now they will they if you have a log pile in your garden they'll actually overwinter in the log pile and the sun has just gone in and he's actually landed on my patio and he has his wings spread on the, on the stone on the patio. And what he's doing is he's heating up. He's actually, using, he's actually using the heat rising up from the stone to warm himself. And when they do that, the wings are fully spread out and you get a really great view of them. So all of these beauties will be visiting your garden, but you have to provide nectar-rich plants. You know those big, big showy multiple petaled flowers you get in garden centres. Yes. Those aren't usually very good. They're often bred. They're often varieties bred for colour at the expense of nectar and pollen. If you really want to do good, next time you go to a garden centre, actually see what bees are visiting and try to try to buy plants. You know the way you you see two scientific names on a plant? Mm. Try to buy plants that have two scientific names, not three. Okay. When there's a third name, it it describes a variety. Right. When it's just two names, it's usually a species. Like Saxiza pretensis, that's two names. That's Devil's Bitscabius, which is a fabulous wildflower. Um, it, flower, it flowers in August, September, and October. I mean, it flowers for months, and it's multi-flowering, and it's perennial. I know a plant that I've known since, still growing since 1996. They last for years. Right. So our native plants are the best value. Plus... The non-native species that you get in garden centres, the, the larvae don't feed on those. It's only the adults that take nectar from them. So you'll bring another dimension to your garden if you're able to grow native plants that butterflies and, and moths and other, and other insects will feed on the leaves and stem. They don't kill them because you rarely get a, a, a species that reaches a proportion where they wipe everything out. The, 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 the issue of the cabbage in the garden is a very artificial one because mm. you've actually gone and you've actually cultivated a large amount of those plants in a small space which, which creates an artificial draw where, where they will strip it. Yes. But in the wild, when they're breeding on wild plants and the large and small white butterflies that eat your cabbages, they do breed on wild plants mm. as well. Mm. So they're dispersed widely and they, they tend not to have the same effect on those. Yeah, yeah. Will you take us uh, through just for a moment on this one because I'm curious. There are four stages, of course, in the life cycle. Egg, larva or caterpillar, pupa or mm. chrysalis as it's called and finally the adult, adult butterfly or moth. Do most mm. of them take a year to transcend that cycle? Most, most take a year. Some take, some take a few months 
So, for example, you know the large fight that you see in your garden? That has two generations a year. And in, in warmer, say in the south of England, it might have three generations a year. Most of our species have one generation a year. And some of them, some of those are at the adult butterflies. That's the breeding stage. That's the stage that mates and lays eggs and lays down the next generation. Some of those are actually sexually immature. So what happens is, say with the peacock I was just telling you about a moment ago, that's, that undergoes what's called a reproductive diapause. It means, it means its breeding ability is hormonally put on hold. It's like, it's like a pre-adolescent. And what happens is that ability to breed only kicks in next spring. Okay. So they delay breeding till next spring. So it'll, that peacock butterfly will get himself into your log pile over winter and he'll only breed in spring. Now, there's a really, really good reason for that. If, he, if they bred now and laid their eggs on stinging nettles, which is what the plant they breed on, the stinging nettles at this time of the year are not in great condition for peacock butterflies. And even if they were, and even if they are in some places, by the time that peacock butterfly has developed, it would be too late to fly and find nectar. It'll actually just be too late in the year. Yes. And it won't have enough time to build up resort, fat resources to survive the wintertime. Um, there are one or two species, though, that take longer than a year. There's a, we have a moth called the goat moth. The caterpillar of that moth lives about three years. There's, there's a moth in the Arctic that feeds on a species of dwarf willow. And that moth, I think it's the, uh, it's, it's, um, I think it's the woolly bear moth. That moth, the caterpillar of that moth lives about 12 years. Really? Because it's so cold in the Arctic that it can only feed on, on dwarf willow leaves for a small number of days each year. So it literally takes that long to reach maturity. And the, the odd thing about some of those species whose larvae are really long-lived, the adults, for example, moth I, I talked about now, the goat moth, that moth has no ability, the adult moth can't feed. It lives on fat reserves that built up as a caterpillar. So although the caterpillar might live three years, the adult moth lives just a few weeks and it, it, it has no ability to feed on nectar. Yes. So it's just living off reserves that built up. And there, there, we have a few moths like that, actually. But all our butterflies do feed. Mm. And that's, so, that's, uh, that's so interesting when you mention those lifespans. When, when, when you, you talk about, you know, butterflies and I mm. suppose uh, uh, the most common ones and that people would be familiar with, just to touch on that for a moment here in Ireland, aren't the Painted Lady and Red Admiral just sensational? They are. One of the most sensational things about the Painted Lady is that it's such a long-distance migrant. I mean, now, what, what happens is they migrate to Ireland in successive generations from, from March onwards. And about, say, a group of them leave Mar- Marrakesh in Morocco. The generation that gets here might be maybe two generations removed from the ones that left Marrakesh. So it's like a generational relay. It might take three, two to three generations to get to Marrakesh and two to three generations to get back because they're not very long-lived. But the interest, one of the really fascinating things about that butterfly, for years, we believe, the conventional wisdom was it flew here, it bred, it, and their offspring tried to breed again, but when cold weather arrived, they perished in the cold mm. because it is a cold-sensitive butterfly. We now know, thanks to radar developed 
in, in the UK, we now know that that species actually does un- undergo reverse migration. It migrates back uh, to towards Europe in the autumn, but it does it at altitude. Mm. And that's why we didn't think it migrated because you never saw it do it. Yes. But what they do is they fly vertically upwards to find following wind and then they use that wind to move south. Isn't so that it's probably brilliant. travelling on a northerly wind, yes. actually. Isn't that brilliant? Is the Red Admiral a, a migrant? or is it, it, it is a migrant, yes. yes. And, and another chapter in that story, and it's, an, it's a developing chapter because of our warming climate, in some areas, it's actually become a year-round resident. Mm. So it has developed the ability to survive here during the winter in mild coastal locations like the Hill of Hoth, by where, you know, the normal, the typical Irish winters when you're scraping the ice off the windscreen in the morning. Yes. Well, those, those, those types of winters killed stinging nettles. The, the leaves were black in the frost, blackened by frost. But now, in mild coastal places like Hoth, there isn't any frost in winter, so the nettles don't die back. So the red admirals are laying, they're laying their eggs on those in November, and it has the ability to elongate its early stages. So the egg lasts, instead of the egg hatching after a week, as it does in the summer, it might hatch after 12 weeks. Mm. Instead of the larva lasting a month like it does in summer, it might take four months to develop and the pupa lasting longer likewise. So by being able to prolong its early stages, and because the thing that has been killed in those coastal areas, it's actually beginning to reside here. And the same phenomenon has been noted in the south of England as well. Now, in, in a lot of the interior of Ireland, it isn't surviving the winter yet. Yeah. Uh, but it's beginning to, but we're still, we're still largely dependent on, on migration to get that butterfly. So if you see one in your garden mm. in late summer, forging on fallen fruit or a nectar, that's actually what that's doing, it's building up fat reserves to, to migrate. That's Isn't, what that one's doing. That's so interesting. Listen, I could talk to you forever, but I, I you know, time restraints in this game. I, I, I'm so grateful for you today and you've been so informative. And again, you, you're still deeply involved with the Butterfly Conservation Ireland people and the website. You, yeah, well, I am indeed. And yes. we're, we're, we're um, anyone who's interested should check the Butterfly Conservation Ireland website. Um, the Irish Butterfly book available for myself is, is, is still available so, and it's proven very popular. Brilliant. So if anyone wants to find out more, check the website and, and look for the book and there's, there's plenty of information online about Ireland's butterflies. Thanks very much, Jasmine. not at all and it's great to talk to you and we will talk again. I just tell you that book is one of my treasured possessions. I go to it and that's why I know a little bit about them. Thank you, Jesmond. <laughs> Thanks very much. Take, Take care, care of yourself. Bye-bye. 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 Jesmond Bye-bye. Harding there. What a brilliant guy. Does he know his butterflies? Fly as soft and gentle as a sigh, a multicolored mood of love like its satin wings. Ah, Dolly Parton, isn't it just beautiful? I felt like a butterfly there just listening to the words, and uh, that song is simply, simply beautiful. Knock, knock! Who's there? That's how it works! It's called comedy! Comedy! Comedy, comedy! Comedy, sir. Comedy! Classic comedy! Classic comedy! On the late lunch. I love comedy. Yes, we all love our comedy, don't we? Especially Fridays on Late Lunch. It's US veteran funny man Jeff Allen and his not very fit bit.
I don't know if anybody's been to Sun City, but a retirement community, the seniors that live there, they drive golf carts licensed by the state. And I tell you this, because driving around, I actually saw a golf cart overturned in a ditch. All right, a couple of you are as sick as I am. That was, truthfully, that was my reaction to that tragedy. Come on, man, someone lost control of a golf cart. At what point did you just voluntarily give the state back their driver's license? How'd you like get the black box back from that accident? The pedal's stuck, I'm doing 11. 12, I'm up to 14, I can't hang on. Tell my wife I loved her. <laughs> It'd be real easy on the police. They just run next to you. All right, Pops, pull it over. I got you doing nine and a six. And I'm not making fun of old people, look at me. I'm 62, which means two years ago I had a physical at the age of 60, thought I was in pretty good shape. I was 30 pounds heavier two years ago. So the doctor calls me up after my physical. I'm waiting for him to tell me how a great shape I'm in. He goes, if you were part of a wildebeest herd, the lions would be circling you, pal. Do you do anything aerobically? I said, I don't know, let me look the word up. I'll call you back. So my wife and I get into an argument whether or not I do aerobics or not. She buys me a Fitbit for no other reason than to prove her point. <laughs> Fitbit monitors my entire life. Tell me how many times I get up in the middle of the night. You were up five times, Jeff. Restless? Well, Brad and Angelina are splitting up. Who can sleep? And then I'm watching Golf Channel. Uh, at 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, Fitbit sends me a text message. Are you dead? You've taken 78 steps in four hours. And most of that's because my foot fell asleep and then I was banging it on the floor. Leave me alone. And then I found out like everything in life, you could game Fitbit. You don't even have to leave the chair to rack up steps. You just move your arm up and down. Yeah, so I'm eating potato chips a couple months ago in a hotel and my wife calls me. What are you doing? I'm running a 5K, babe. I'll call you back. What's that crunching sound? It's my bones, I'm brittle, I'm old. Just stop asking me questions and making me lie to you, woman. So anyway, the doctor said I had to move, that's the whole point. So my wife comes downstairs one morning to breakfast and she says, you know, Jeff, I was thinking, every man in this room that's married knows when your wife says, you know, I was thinking, all the air in your body goes right out, Jack, because what she was thinking about is something she's gonna want you to do. You're not going to want to do it, but I've been married 32 years. I ain't a man anymore anyway, so. I just said, what was you thinking about, Buttercup? She said, I was thinking about what the doctor said. We have to do something aerobically. I said, I don't think he said we have to do anything. He said, I have to do something. She said, well, I've always wanted to ski. That's what she said to me. Always wanted to ski. We've been married 32 years. That's the first I've heard of it. I said, I'm not taking up the sport at the age it killed Sonny Bono. Do you understand that? You want me dead, woman. Poison me like otherwise. At least I get a meal out of it. I tried skiing when I was in my 20s. I got knocked unconscious by the chairlift. What more sign from God do you need? And then the insurance company, they wouldn't cover my head injury. Guy called me up at home and said, you got hit in the head with a chairlift. I said, yes, sir. He goes, wow, that makes you a moron. We consider that a pre-existing condition.
Yes, Jeff Allen, what a sharp man he is, veteran US comedian and his Fitbit. It'll never work for him, will it? It never will. Yes, number six of six, our final in the series of summer salads with Chef Tara Walker. We are heading to the Middle East today. Yes, Jerry. So I know over the six weeks of this summer salads, there's a bit of a tongue twister. We've kind of taken inspiration from a few different parts of the world. While it is a Middle Eastern style salad, look, it's using all Irish ingredients and things that we can get very easily in our local supermarkets, except for the beautiful tomatoes that you've brought out for me. Gorgeous tomatoes. So I have a tin of chickpeas here in my bowl and I've rinsed it just under some cold water and I'm adding my cherry tomatoes and the lovely Marmont tomatoes that you brought me just for a bit of flavour and textural difference and then this beautiful you tell us what the name of this <laughs> cucumber is because I, I when you said it I thought it was from a particular place but this is delicious it is it is the most tasty cucumber you could ever grow it's called burpless green <laughs> and I think it means that you won't burp when you eat the cucumber <laughs> either but you have just tasted it there and it is Oh my god, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like it's got great flavour. You know some cucumbers, especially in the winter in the in the supermarket, they've kind of got no flavour really and so juicy as well. Mmm. Absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I could just sit there and eat, and my daughter will after this, just little sticks of cucumber. It's so tasty. So very simple. That's all that I'm popping into the salad, but I am going to give it lots of assistance with lovely flavour in my dressing and my herbs. So I have sumac here which is a spice, but it's actually a ground down berry. And it has a slight tartness to it. Smell that. Oh, for sure. Mm. I've never come across this before. Have you not? No. Next up, another typical Middle Eastern spice, cumin. And then some coriander, ground coriander here. So we're going to use uh, the ground coriander as opposed to the fresh coriander today because I'm going to use parsley instead. Lots of flat leaf parsley. Next up, I'm going to just grate a little bit of garlic into my dressing. And that's just to give us a little bit of savoury flavour. I like to use a grater, but of course you can just use a little garlic crusher if you want. Mm. And sort of one small clove will do for this, you know. And just get all that out. And then we're going to add some lemon juice and some olive oil. So in goes your good quality olive oil again. Yeah, exactly. It is important in dressings to have a good quality olive oil. And I always have at least two olive oils in the house, a sort of bog standard one for things like that that I'm cooking and then a nice one because there's no point in wasting your good one you know when you're cooking with it as well so you've just popped your lemon juice in there now and that's all your ingredients in that little bowl there coming together exactly and I'm just going to emulsify it I'm going to pop a pinch of salt in and have a little taste so emulsifying is just making sure that the acid mixes with the fat so I often make French dressings in a jar because I'm going to keep them for a few days and then you just give it a shake up but for this one I just made it in a bowl so I'm just using a little whisk so there's some nice Ackle Island sea salt gone in there and again a note about the salt I think it's lovely to have a nice crunchy salt like that when you're not cooking it out any further so we're using good quality ingredients here between your beautiful cucumber and tomato that you brought and these lovely spices, good quality olive oil and good quality salt. All of those things will make a difference in a salad like this where it's quite a simple salad. Whereas obviously there are other dishes, you know, where you can use something that's a little bit cheaper. It doesn't have to be best quality ingredients every time. But for a summer salad like this, it is a good idea to get the best you can. So you can do a little taster as usual here? Yeah, just make sure. Because again, like once we dress this, we want to make sure it's really, really tasty and not kind of lacking in flavour. Hmm. I'm happy with that. And... You know, for me with salads, I love salads. My husband laughs at me because, you know, whenever we're talking about what do we have for dinner, I always want some sort of salad. 
but you really need to put the effort into the dressing and the flavours. Otherwise, they're bland and people aren't going to really enjoy them as much. And that's why we're doing this series as well. We mentioned at the very start, the first day, that when you think back, even uh, a few years back, you know, Irish salads were just so dull. I know. And did you see that thing this summer? There was a kind of a joke going around on the internet about when the, the weather got warm and the Irish salad, which was just a slice or two of tomato, a slice or two of ham, maybe potato salad, was it, or egg mayonnaise, something like that. Lovely in its own way. But you wouldn't want to eat that every night. That's coming together there, lovely, and again, such an aroma. So look at that lovely dressing. I've just poured it all over, and I'm really making sure it's well combined. And it's well dressed. So unlike the salad, remember two weeks ago we had the Vietnamese uh, rice noodle salad, and I was very cautious not to overdress it. With this one, I don't think it can overdress, because the chickpeas need all the assistance they can get. And just to finish off the salad, so the dressing is really well mixed through i have some lovely fresh mint from the garden which i've just picked and i have some flat leaf parsley as well and i'm I'm just actually you can hear me tearing the leaves off the mint as opposed to chopping it up like i did last week in the other salad and um, because i really want the bold flavor of the mint really coming through on this Yes, and lovely little beautiful fresh leaves. Tara, talk about my cucumbers and tomatoes. She's weighing in herself. She's just been outside the door here and picked the fresh mint and the parsley is here as well. You have lovely herb beds. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the herb beds. And I mean, you know, I use so many herbs all the time that it's important for me to have lots of herbs. But I'm still a bit of a novice when it comes to the vegetables. That's to come. That's for the future. She's going to get there. Believe you me, she will. And here comes the parsley. And you're giving that a little bit of a, a fine chop just there. Just going to chop it a little bit. So I've just kind of rolled it all up together. And then in it goes. Time to taste the flavours of the Middle East here with Tara Walker. Let's have a go at this. I'm very curious about this because there are ingredients in the dressing here that I wouldn't be familiar with. Well, one in particular. Let's have a go and see what it's like. Here we go. Now, let me tell you about this. You put it into your mouth and you start to absorb it. And then suddenly this explosion hits you. Oh, that's really, really gorgeous, Tara. Isn't it lovely? I love that salad. It's so fresh and light. But because of the chickpeas, it's also very filling. So a lovely side dish, even just with a simply kind of baked piece of hake or, you know, a nice flat fish, maybe done in the oven or pan fried or whatever, very simply. There's so much flavour in this salad that you wouldn't really need to do anything else. So a super healthy meal during the week. I've done it as a side. All of the salads we've done in the series are sides. So a gorgeous one for the barbecue. I often find people eat more when they're sitting outside of barbecues. Do you ever notice that? I don't know if it's the fresh air or whatever. So I think filling salads like this are great to have when you're having a barbecue. But equally, I love that. I often rustle that up as a little lunch dish for myself, just with some hot smoked salmon or something like that, you know, or, or a boiled egg even or whatever, a hard boiled egg after the gym or something. It feels like a really, really nutritious and filling and healthy salad. And again, simple, local ingredients as well. I say again, you can pick up the rest in your local store. And that's been the whole thrust of this series this summer. Summer salads that are easy to uh, bring together. And my word, over the six weeks, there's quite a selection there. So for the rest of the summertime and into autumn, enjoy. Thank you once again for inviting us to your home and being um, 
part of Late Lunch with this wonderful <laughs> series yet again. We really do appreciate it, Tara. And reminding people, you are on Instagram and all these recipes are there and lots more besides. Exactly. So I will post all of these recipes up after the slot has gone out on air and yeah, lots of other recipes there. So just follow me on Instagram on Tara Walker Chef and then you can like and save them, which means you can go into your saved items, you know, someday when you decide I'm going to, I'm going to make this particular salad and you can check back on it and it's all there. Well, we'll see you sometime later in the year. Have a great summer and thank you so much again. Thanks, Jerry. Great to see you as always. Yes, we'll be back with Tara, please God, later in the year. You're sorted with your salads now. And do follow her on Instagram. All those recipes are there and they are crackers. Thanks to Tara Walker. Uh, as always, she's a part and parcel of what we do on Late Lunch. Well, 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 they've only gone and done it again. Added to their medal hall. Yes, Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal won the women's tandem road race at the Paracycling World's in Canada in recent days. It's their sixth World Championship title. And as for medals, my, oh my, I'm delighted to welcome her back to the show. Good friend of ours, as I said, Eve McChrystal. Congratulations again. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Well, you know, they talk about Serena Williams, but I always think of you for longevity and, and success over a long career. You're going strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just my ninth year I think yeah but um, I started later in life Jerry, so I think that's why I'm getting it on the other side <laughs> it'd be different if I started earlier oh no 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 don't. I, I doubt that very much what's in you young is in you right through your life as well anyway look it's a wonderful achievement for both of you to win uh, and, and it was a real tactical race wasn't it yeah, it kind of had to be just with the, the girls that we were racing against. Um, they've beaten us every time to the line mm. that we've raced against them. So our only option was really to try and get away. But obviously it's not as, as easy as that. So there was a, yeah, we had to just kind of talk about it during the race and see what to do and yeah we communicated well and went for it yeah mm, so you did. it worked out <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's a special one I know for you because you said uh, you had to really plan this one to, to uh, affect the victory um, you, you picked up silver in the time trials were you a little disappointed with that? Yeah I, I was myself um, Katie had a stormer only for her. Um, just my own personal performance wasn't great. Like, I know that's not me, you know, what came out that day, but I've been around long enough to know when speaking back and just kind of speaking to our coach, I just, time trialing is very specific and I just didn't get that training done between the jigs and the reels and work and everything else. Mm. I just, you know, you can't do everything. Yes. And just this year, between everything, I just didn't get that specific training done. And mm. I knew going into it, you know, it's not mm. that it was a shock. I knew going into it, but I was able to turn it around for the road race. And I was, I was kind of, I was confident that we, we could do that. Yeah. Sixth world title. Did it mean as much or more perhaps than the first one? Oh, definitely. I mean, the first one is always like, yeah, you're, special. You're so amazed. But mm. then you have to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really hard. Because yeah. you have to kind of, you know the work that you put in to get there and then you have to stay. And it's never pressure from anybody else. I don't feel pressure from external sources. It's always internal. So I, it's just hard to do it. So every time you do it again, it's like, oh God, thank God. You know, so uh, yeah, uh, a big relief. And I'm just always so happy, you know, for Katie as well, because at the end of the day, she is the para-athlete, you know. Mm, mm. Um, only for her, I wouldn't be there, but equally only for her, she wouldn't be where she, or 
only for me. She wouldn't be yes, here. Yes. So it's a team. It's it a is a team. Of course yeah. it is a team. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's your teamwork that has propelled you to this wonderful success at Olympics, European Worlds, etc. Over, over the years. Now, I suppose the big question, and I know you'll hate me asking you this, because the last time I asked you, you kicked for touch. And you probably will again. You know what I'm going to ask you? Because Paris 24 is not that far away now in reality. I know we have 23 to come, but already people are qualifying for Olympics and there's an awful lot of talk about it. How are you fixed? Yeah, like it's the same it's the same answer and it's not that I'm I'm shying away from the question. It's it's a genuine answer. Um I'm taking each race as it comes. You know, because mm. you're never in high performance, you're never guaranteed the the seat on the bike and Luckily enough, we have another pilot and a stoker coming behind us. They got bronze in the yes. race. So, like, that keeps me on my toes because at any point, Linda could take my season. That's just the way it is. That's sport. Mm. So, for now, I'm going to try and get selection for October for the uh, track in Paris, for the World Championships in Paris. Yes. And I'll see if I get there. And if I get there, we'll see how it goes. So, I just can't look. Even though it's only two years, I can't look that far ahead I just have to take each race at a time and see how my body responds to Mm. each race that's all I can do yeah, and and uh, you know it's a it's a wonderful philosophy to have, and it gets you focused for that period of time. But look, seriously, wouldn't you love to be there? You want to be there, don't you? In Paris, you do. I never thought I would. Like that's <laughs> I know. I, I never thought, like in Rio, I genuinely did not think that at forty, I'm forty four now. So what? Or my, I don't know how old I am. I'd be forty six in Paris. I never thought at that time that it would be possible. Mm. So I'm surprising myself yes. as I go. Yeah. So I just didn't. It, it's completely unknown to me so yeah it's it's not that I'm saying no, but I just have to see. Mm. You, you see, know? that's why I think about you before Serena Williams, you see. That's <laughs> that's what I was getting at the beginning. That's why I think of you always, because you are uh, some woman, as I said, for, for one woman. The training goes on as well, because this isn't just a thing that a championship ends. As you said, you have another target now. And of course, your girls and work and family and everything. You're juggling an awful lot, aren't you? I am, yeah. Mm. I, and as the girls get older, it's nearly... They need you for different reasons, so yes. I don't know whether it's harder. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I am juggling it, and it, that's quite difficult because as an athlete, you want to be, you know, perfect. But there's no such thing as perfection either. And sometimes when things don't go right, like even after that time trial, that'll never happen to me again. <laughs> I never want to feel that way again. Yes. So next year, I'll make sure that I'm prepared for that. So you kind of, you know, it's. I suppose it's good after nine years that, you know, I'm still learning about myself and that that's what motivates me to mm. train. Mm. That's what makes me get up in the morning and, and do uh, put in the hard work, you know. Yeah, well, listen, a silver is wonderful too. Any medal is a wonderful achievement, but silver, I know, but you made up for it by the spadeful with that win and, and the gold in the road race. And again, to get past your British rivals was, was simply, simply wonderful. You're so good and you're really good to us, I have to say. Anytime I'm, I'm in touch with you, no matter where you are in the world, you do your best to get back to me. And I really do appreciate that. But again to you and to Katie George Dunley, Please pass on our congratulations. And to you, Eve McChrystal, we're so proud of you. Keep on trucking. 
Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself, Eve. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Eve McCrystal there. What a wonderful, wonderful woman she really is. Coming up on late lunch after three, of course, we have a look ahead to the weekend in sport with David Sheehan. We'll uh, tell you what the TV theme is this week. And hot chocolate. I bring the curtain down with a classic. But taking us towards news, weather and sport, top of the hour. Ah, it's one of my favourites. It's Mr. Billy Joel. And the longest time. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Friday afternoon. Let's listen once more to our TV theme. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'll be gone in about 20 minutes' time. Anyway, that is the theme from that TV show. And they're bringing back, actually, there's a special of uh, the previous ones involving all the celebrities. They've handpicked a group. Carol Vorderman's going back to the jungle. I might just start watching it for the first time ever. I'd be watching it, to be honest, which you know, says Louise, our head's going from side to side. No, I'm bad. I'm bad from that one. <laughs> Anyways, who uh, got it right today? Philippa Bennett. Well done to you. You, uh, uh, The Louis Prize is on its way out to you. Thank you to everybody who joined in the fun and entered. And just to say that Sean Kelleher uh, won the uh, tickets to Drogheda United Derry City this evening. Quarter day kickoff in Drogheda. Uh, yes, Ryan Brennan, the man scoring the two goals for Drogheda against Shelburne last week. Now it's time to bring the curtain down for this week on this The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Hot chocolate it's been all week and it is again today. When Errol Brown and Larry Ferguson quit the band in 1986 it was the end for hot chocolate as we knew them. Errol Brown went solo with moderate success while with new vocalist Greg Bannis the band per se reformed in 1992 and continued to make live performances in the UK and Europe. In the 90s interestingly Interest in the band resurged with the inclusion of You Sexy Thing on the soundtrack of The Full Monty. In the noughties, their enduring popularity was confirmed when two of their compilation albums both reached number one on the UK Albums Chart. Errol Brown received an MBE from the Queen in 2003 and a prestigious Ivor Novello Award for his contribution to music in 2004. Sadly, he's no longer with us as he died from liver cancer at 71 in May 2015. Today, it just has to be this one to round off the week. Originally the B-side of their single, Blue Night, radio DJs flipped it over in favour of the orgasmic intensity of Errol Brown's vocalising of the lyrics. Enjoy. I believe in miracles Where you from? You sexy thing Sexy thing, you Hot chocolate, my artist of the week. Oh, Errol Brown. Fantastic. 
Tommy, hello to Tommy in Italy today. Hi, Jerry. Really enjoyed hot chocolate. I met them in 1987 and spent some time with them. Very nice people. Have a good weekend. And you too, Tommy. Have a great one. Another message just coming to us there belatedly about our first interview with Irene Gahan and Ashling Lowe and the abuse that people are facing in charity and business. And one of our listeners saying she's three daughters, young women who are out working themselves over the summer and the abuse they face is just shocking. And she says, goes on to say that a lot of young student nurses come to work with us here and it's always important to respect them and young folk. Thanks indeed for your messages to the show. Final break of the day and the week and up next, David Sheehan runs the rule over the weekend in sport. Our Sunday sport presenter David Sheehan joins me again to look ahead to the sporting weekend. Hi Dave. How are you Jerry? Thanks very much for uh, joining us on Late Lunch again this afternoon. Well let's begin tonight and begin with soccer uh, today. Uh, Drogheda United home for the second week in a row and indeed they'll be home next week against Shamrock Rovers in the Cup taking on Derry City. I was there last week against Shelbourne. Three goals you wouldn't see better if you travelled the land last week David. Yeah, there was a real uh, a real buzz around the place last week and you know we spoke last Friday about the performance against Finn Harps and I, I did describe it as a as a bit of an outlier for Drogheda this season. You know as I mentioned to you last week Jerry, they've they've won games, they've lost games this season Drogheda, but the performances have always been fairly consistent, but that game against Finn Harps was really really poor. Kevin Doherty was not happy about it at all. I spoke to him before the game last week and I asked him, you know, was he looking for a response from his squad? He certainly got that. He drafted in a couple of players uh, with points to prove. Uh, Ryan Brennan, notably, who got the two goals and got that second goal of his and the third goal for Drogheda towards the end of the game and had a little message for Damien Duff on his way past the Shelburne dugout as well. Mm. So a really, a really um, uplifting evening last week at Heading the Game Park and a really good performance. As you said, the, the, the second and the third goal in particular, Dale Rooney's volley with his left foot, he had a swing at it with his right, he came back to him on his left and he pinged it into the top corner and then Ryan Brennan's finish from a brilliant pass from Andrew Quinn as well, mm. first time pass from him. So a really good performance last week. You mentioned there that they've had a few home games in a row home again next week but only three of their last eight games are at home actually so they'll probably want to capitalise on that tonight Derry City obviously still maybe with an outside squeak of a, of a title crack it's unlikely you'd imagine at this point they're they're well back at this point from from uh, Shamrock Rovers if they were to win tonight to be five points between them they'd have had a game more played Derry but with Shamrock Rovers European commitments you never know um I think, you know, there's been two draws between the sides this so far this season. With Drada's performance last week, I, I'd back them to get a point at least again tonight. And maybe, you know, Jerry, another magical night tonight. <laughs> maybe they'll sneak the win. But I think I think a draw uh, would be probably seen as a good result against a strong Derry side. So we'll, we'll go for a draw. I feel like I'm going for draws a lot, of, a lot of weeks, but it's so hard to call these games. But I'll say a draw tonight for, for Drada and okay. we'll Derry, hopefully. And you'll be there and it's on lmfm.ie if you want to follow the game if you're not going along. Now, uh, Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, uh, it's a huge one. Uh, First against second in the league, Shamrock Rovers taking on the dock. Rovers hammered last night uh, away from home in the Europa League. And this European thing takes a toll. Dundalk will see this as a real opportunity. A real opportunity, absolutely, Jerry. And, uh, you know, if they were to win, if they were to win the game tonight, they'd go within a point of Shamrock, or on Sunday, I should say, if they'd go within a point of Shamrock Rovers, they'd have, you know, a game more played still. But, you just don't know. And as you, as we said last week, those European games and, and Rovers got a bit of a drubbing uh, yesterday evening against Ferenc Farros. So they'll be coming back with their tail between their legs, probably via Shannon again, as we've seen, has happened quite a lot uh, lately. So Dundalk will absolutely see this as a chance. If they were to win that game, there is absolutely a really, really good chance of them going on and winning this league title. You just don't know. Um, we talked last week about Pat Hoobin's uh, absence 
Now, the, the, we're hearing whispers that maybe he might be fit to play some part on Sunday. That'll be massive. Um, clearly, if he's missing a lot of the games in the run-in, it's a massive blow to Nadal's chances of really taking on and overtaking Shamrock Overs. But uh, I'm going to give Dundalk a hesitant nod here for this one on Sunday. Maybe maybe a scratchy 1-0 win. They're obviously coming up against you know the likes of Daniel Cleary, possibly playing their former player. So it's going to be a really, really interesting game. Rovers will have to be up for it. They can't be... You know, wallowing in the defeat from yesterday, they're going to have to pick themselves up because if, if Dundalk win this game, they are breathing down Shamrock Rovers' neck very, very strongly. So uh, I think Dundalk to win that one just about, and let's hope we have a cracking title run in then. Yes, indeed. And that game's 7 o'clock on Sunday evening. Adrian Taff will be in Tala for us. And again, if you're not going, lmfm.ie. Now let's talk about just one game in the Premier League, and it is the outstanding game this week. And it's not until Monday. And funny enough, when you look at the table today, you would think this would be a top-of-the-table clash, but far from it is Manchester United against Liverpool. Relegation six-pointer, Jerry. Yep. That's what this is. Um, yeah, you know, we look at Liverpool in 12th um, at the moment with two points. Clearly, you know, uh, being a little facetious there. But Manchester United, rock bottom, absolutely humiliated. Possibly the most embarrassing result in their in their Premier League history and maybe one of their most embarrassing results in, in their history. Full stop last weekend against Brentford. Torn asunder by a team who are everything Manchester United, aren't they? They were well-organised, well-drilled, they worked hard. I'm sure you've seen the story about how Brentford covered 13 kilometres or something more than Manchester United did over the course of the game. Eric Ten Hag had them in on Sunday to make up the difference in the in the stats there and, and, and run 13 miles or 13 kilometres, whichever it was. But I think United are in, in a lot of trouble at the moment. You were, you were playing hot chocolate there before we come on, and I think Eric Ten Hag is going to be in a lot of hot water if he doesn't start getting a few wins very quickly because they're just in disarray. They're being linked with Casemiro today. He's 30 um, it'd be a huge transfer fee if he goes from Real Madrid. So I don't really know. There just doesn't seem to be any plan, any kind of anyone making you know proper decisions at Manchester United at the moment. I would fear for them on, on Monday. I know they're at home, but um, we've seen them taking a few hammerings at uh, at Old Trafford in the last few years and one or two against Liverpool as well. So Liverpool will be missing uh, Darwin Nunes. Obviously, got sent off on Monday, but I think they'll still be far too strong. And, and it could be another uh, chasing night for Manchester United. I don't think Liverpool will put four or five past them, but I think they'll win this one fairly comfortably, Liverpool, and Manchester United's problems will go on. I just see Chris Sutton, who's doing the predicting on BBC this year, took over from Mark Lawrence on the website, predicting a 5-1 win there for Liverpool. Watch this space Monday evening. Let's quickly go to uh, local matters and GAA, the Mead and Loud Senior Football Championships rolling along. Mead, you're at this one on Sunday. Wolf Tones against Colm Kills. How do you see this going? Yeah, Column Kills it was the, definitely the shock of the opening round. St. Column Kills were well beaten by Town in the opening round. And, you know, St. Column Kills had a really good league campaign, got to a league final, were beaten by Summerhill, but were really fancy to go well in the championship. They've had such a, a run of success at underage level over the years, in recent times in particular. And I think there was an expectation that they could have a bit of a crack and maybe be dark horses for the senior championship. Didn't show up at all against Town the first day, well beaten. Uh, Wolf Tones defending champions, obviously, after last year's win. And they beat Screen the first day reasonably well as well. So they're obviously going well. Uh, Michal McDermott's still in charge over the Wolf Tones. So St. Colm Kills need to win this game. There's no doubt about that. They have to win it, really, to, to get themselves back into it. I would would fancy Wolf Tones, though. I think they're the defending champions. They went out against Screen and put in a really good performance. And I think they'll get the job done on, on Sunday in Ashburn. It's not going to be a, an easy one for them. It's going to be a fairly tight game because St. Colm Kills are going to have to respond that opening round defeat and that performance. But I think Wolf Tones will just have a little bit too much uh, experience and, and nows for them. I think they'll just about get the win in that one. And also featured on Sunday Sport, RD St. Mary's against St. Joseph's in Louth. 
Yeah, RD beaten in the, the 2020 final, obviously, and haven't won Joe Ward since 1995, so a long, long wait for them. I was listening to Colin Corrigan's interview with Darren Clark, who, you know, such a stalwart of Louth GA, such a stalwart of RD St. Mary's, and it would be fantastic for, for Darren to sign off his career with a Joe Ward uh, medal. St. Joseph's themselves, well, they haven't won it since 2006. That was only their second ever win. Uh, led to that title by the late, great Stephen Mealy as well, beating St. Pat's in that final, which was a bit of an upset at the time. But realistically, you'd have to fancy RD for this one like most people would expect them they got to a semi-final last year uh, you know beaten two years ago semi-final last year most people would expect them to progress through this group and if they've got any aspirations at all of, of going deep into the uh, Loud Senior Football Championship and possibly getting to a final maybe even winning, winning, winning it they're going to have to account for the likes of St. Joseph's I would say and they could do quite comfortably but uh, we'll wait and see but I'd expect RD to win that one one way or the other and the action will unfold here on LMFM Radio live on Sunday Sport this Sunday afternoon until next week David thanks a million Thanks, Jerry. Take care. That's David Sheehan there, a presenter of Sunday Sport. And that is it for another week on Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us on LMFM. I want to say my thank yous as usual. Big thank you to our guests who joined us every day. To you, our listeners, who uh, join us on the show and listen in and take part in this, that and the other. We really appreciate your company. To my producer, Louise Walsh, couldn't do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. And I want to say a big thank you to Lizzie Dorn, who's been with us here all week as well. Thanks a million, Lizzie. We'll be back on Monday afternoon, please God, 1.30 with a brand new week of Late Lunch. Have yourselves a lovely weekend. Take care and we'll see you then. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.